South by Soundbites on this tech episode of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Welcome to this tech episode of Industry Focus. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, joined by no one in the studio, because uh, this is kind of a special episode to wrap up interview week on Industry Focus. I was down in Austin at South by Southwest over the past week and had the opportunity to speak with a bunch of folks in the VR space. We're going to play some of those interviews for you today. Uh, first, we're going to hear from two folks on the gaming side of VR, Matt Farrell from Crush Technologies. Uh, he explained some of the more advanced opportunities in VR hardware, provided a sneak peek on what we might be seeing in the coming years there. And then we'll listen in on a chat I had with Matt Whitlock from Tech87870. Uh, he got into the differences between Chinese VR market and the one here in the United States, uh, and also some of the things we might be able to expect in terms of price points for hardware in the coming years. So we'll run through those, and then after the break, we'll hear from a more traditional media company and get some color on their VR strategy. Uh, apologies on some of the hiccups in audio quality. I recorded all this on my iPhone. So without any further ado, enjoy. We're here with Crush. Crush Technologies. Crush Technologies. And could you just introduce yourself, what you do for the company? Matt Farrell. We're a lot of different hats, as most people do in startups, right? Uh, we're, uh, we're a company that's passionate about connecting people. Our brand line is uniting humans and machine. What that means today is we're bringing people closer together through the devices and technology that enable those connections. Um, at our core, our flagship product is Uvu. 150 million users worldwide, top 10 iOS and Android social app, top 100 overall app. Um, our other products, each of which build on Uvu's high quality video chat SDK and intelligent video SDK, leverage that tech stack from Uvu, add in additional algorithms, sensors, emotional intelligence, artificial intelligence, you pick it, to gain context from each pixel being shipped back and forth from the, the device to the cloud, from one device to another, you pick it. We need to kind of harness that power that's contained within each pixel. And whether it's uh, a video a video staring contest where the app's the judge detecting who smiles first, Flinch, uh, which has millions and millions of users worldwide, or our two new products, Emotive for President, which we just talked about, um, which kind of judges the pulse of the nation. Um, in, in new ways to engage in the political process, for citizens to engage in the political process in a way unknown before, to be able to know what their true emotional response was without any bias to a, a custom curated con piece of content, as well as how do their opinions, was I happy, was I sad, was I engaged, was I frustrated, was I angry, compare to the rest of the nation. Democrats, Republicans, independents, males, females, based on state, break down all that analytics that's in that now in the hands of the user in our UI UX. Um, or Haystacks, another social discovery game, which determines emotional compatibility, and then a double opt-in, you know, friendship creation game. <laughs> So, uh, walking around your expo, one of the things we were immediately drawn to was the VR rig that you have set up there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Movio uh, is a, the first of its kind full motion VR simulator built to enhance the Oculus experience. Uh, it could be any headset. Uh, you know, Oculus has an awesome product. So does HTC, so does Samsung. Um, but as we looked to what do we want to do in that space, let's do something nobody else is doing. And let's create a full motion simulator that what you see is what you feel. And you know the application we built for it for the show is a space exploration game that's pretty cool. And we are we are eager to try it, by the way. We're, ho we're hoping to get in line for that. Well, the line is long, but I think I know somebody who can hook you oh. up. <laughs> 
So yeah, that you know the game, it's it's multiple components of it. Um, it is a full motion, so three axes, 360 degrees on each axis, um, you know, simulator, and it's it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a description for what it looks like, uh, if you remember those kind of old school uh, tram car type simulators that you'd see in arcades or like Sports World or like you know one of those things, I, that's what I liken it to visually. I mean, it's a much sleeker, much smaller version of that, but it, it's pretty sexy. Dude, it's uh, it's it's really 2001, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, any insight on why you went with Oculus rather than some of the other ones? Well, Just I mean, DK2 is readily available when we started the project right. back in July. Um, you know, it's a six-month project. We got it to this point in six or seven months. Um, so it is truly a prototype. It's an R&D project. I mean, that there's no there's no doubt about that. But you know, we built the application in Unity. We can export it out to whatever headset. We, we want to remain flexible. As a company, we're pretty tech agnostic. We want to just build cool stuff. Yeah, very cool. And what's the consumer market for something like this? Uh, is it supplying it to, uh, I don't know, like amusement parks or like something like that? Or is it more in the consumer realm where you're dealing directly with buyers? You know, I think it's, it's really hard to tell where, where it's going to go next. Uh, I think what we know we have is something that people want, something that really is captivating and is an experience they can't get anywhere else. So where we take it, I think, is, is yet to be determined, but I think I think some of that will be driven by, you know, what do we want to do next? And that's the cool position we're in right now. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. I, I think that does it for me. Any I'm all questions? good, man. I'm all good. Thank you. My name is Matt Whitlock, and I'm in charge of product development for our company here. Okay. And this company is Tech 87870? Yes. Is that the best way to say it? Or do yeah, we say it in the thousands? The Chinese word is Pachi Pachi Ling, which sounds a lot cooler. But That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, so people at the booth here are playing games. Yes. Uh, can you run me through uh, what part of this is your company? Yeah. And, and yeah. So basically, uh, virtual reality is used in a bunch of categories right now. Healthcare, training, marketing, gaming, entertainment. Um, we have built two things here. We have number one is we're showing some of our games. Uh, these are the first uh, multiplayer games to exist in VR. Um, and so we're actually demoing these games amongst the audience here at South by Southwest. And uh, pretty much everyone's response is, wow, I didn't know games were this cool, which is awesome. Uh, the second thing though is we also have a platform and a VR platform that allows people that create VR content, games, videos, um, live video, on-demand video, that they can use our platform to distribute their VR content as well. Um, so we're kind of featuring those two things, games and our platform here at South by Southwest. And can you talk a little bit about some of the hardware that you have here? Uh, hardware, we just have some things. We have a 360-degree camera set up that we brought with us um, that retail, retails about 800 bucks as a whole kit. Uh, and that's on the capturing side. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's on the capturing side. Um, we do have some, we are playing with um, our, the towers to our computers with certain graphics cards and our specific motherboards that we're testing right now, but we're not at liberty to share all of what we've come up with yet. Fair enough. Yeah. And um, people that are playing the games right now are running on Oculus headsets, right? Uh, yep, these are, both, these are both played on Oculus headsets. But as you know, uh, in China right now, while in the U.S. market, Oculus, Vive, Sony are the kind of ones everyone's waiting to release, there's been over 100 released in China already. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the gamers have been playing and testing, and they're a little bit ahead of the U.S. market in VR stuff right now. Yeah, it's very ubiquitous, kind yeah. of Oculus here in the U.S., but it yeah, seems yeah. much more fragmented abroad. Yes. Um, and can you just kind of walk me through the two different games that you guys are yeah, yeah. showing? So and we have um, the, the branding is on their Team XF, which is going to be kind of like a... 
family scenario. We'll have about six or more games that'll come out amongst that. The two games we're first releasing are here, Dino Park VR, which is basically like a first-person shooter game, um, as well as cruising through a dinosaur park. So you get to cruise through a dinosaur park, shoot dinosaurs and enemies. Uh, the other one is our Starship Virtual Reality. The Starship Virtual Reality is uh, uh, when the family's inside the spaceship and uh, they get to do battle, first-person shooting game type of deal as well. Yeah. And and these are VR in what we think of as kind of the conventional sense for gaming, where it's like you have a headset on, probably control in your hand, and you're standing rooted in our physical world, yes. right? Yes. Um, I've seen some rigs that are a little bit more uh, integrated, where you're yeah. you're standing on platforms or yes. the, the whatever you're standing on physically yes. is kind of inter- brought into the game yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, we're actually right now working. We're going to be launching um, 300 VR gaming spaces in China, um, which will be basically. Um, full setup kind of VR arcades, so people can come and um, what they what they do is they've been able to we can build physical structures that the game functions within. So as they're looking at the game, they bump against the wall, but actually bump against the physical wall. Yeah. Um, as well as um, like um, movement modules they can sit in, and uh, this game's displayed all around them at 360 degrees. And I've tested out some technology like this, obviously not the stuff you're talking about, and I will say it is a much better, kind of more streamlined experience. Yeah, oh yeah. Sometimes, with the stationary ones, typically it's been a bit of seasickness or motion sickness, because you're, you're, your brain's saying, I'm moving, but I'm still standing still. Um, when you watch people play, it's actually pretty fun to video them because they typically are either almost falling over or leaning over too far because they're so caught up by what they're seeing. So, so uh, I'm interested in the like uh, the VR Kates type thing and, and the idea of that because I think a lot of this technology, particularly if you're getting more into these uh, fully integrated physical hardware things in addition to just the headset and maybe the controller, uh, are very expensive or will probably be very expensive. So is that the clearest path to monetizing this type of technology and making it available? Yeah, I would say the two things that are going to make VR money in the gaming world is going to be VRcades, which like Dave & Buster's in the U.S. is starting to do. They've contracted some guys that have bought all the gear and you can play for like two bucks. That's going to be, that's going to be Endora. The second one is going to be VR games that they play off their mobile phones. Um, and our platform does that. So um, what they'll be able to do is make games that are in VR, put on the phone, and with a dummy headset, which they'll be much cheaper once coming out versus the Samsung Gear, which is about a $100 price point. Um, I would say in the next two years, they'll get down to $20 or less. Um, they'll be able to pop those games and play there. So uh, I would say that the, the hype is what all the investment money is getting driving the market right now. Um, but pretty quickly, once it's released, there'll have to be these other ways to interact with VR. Otherwise, people won't be able to afford the $700 headset. Yeah, and, you know. that $20 price point sounds a lot more palatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that does it for me for Good. questions. Taking a quick break here to remind our listeners about the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter. All loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that amounts to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to Focus.Fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that's Focus.Fool.com. Okay, so for the second half of the show, we're going to play an interview I had with Connell Byrne, who is the SVP of Digital at Discovery. Uh, Connell broke down what a more traditional media company is doing with virtual reality, uh, how they specifically approach developing content, and he also named a couple areas he's excited to see his team explore. I'm Connell Byrne, uh, SVP at Discovery Digital Media. I oversee a lot of the new um, form factors that Discovery looks at, one of which is VR. So, uh, first off, can you explain what you guys are doing and showing off here at South by Southwest? I was on the exhibit floor yesterday. It was kind of naturally drawn to what you guys had. Can you give us some background on that? 
Yeah, so we, we launched uh, what we think of as a new network uh, about six months ago called Discovery VR. And for the first five or six months, we really just wanted to put out uh, the best original VR content that we could dream up and produce as fast as we could. We wanted to get smart on the medium, how to distribute it, what kind of content people like. And so as we were thinking about coming to South by Southwest, we started to uh, have great conversations with Gillette, who coincidentally also wanted to make experiential VR. Uh, and this was a really interesting development for us is that uh, VR is this incredibly powerful, immersive medium. We're all sort of getting to know that now. But what is also evolving in parallel to it is this notion of like a 4D experience of which VR is one element, right? So instead of just sitting there with 360 degree video or goggles, which is awesome in and of itself, uh, there's this experiential aspect to it now of like what if we actually introduce movement and um, sensations. Yeah, if I remember correctly, one of the people working your booth said there was the sense or the smell of dirt yeah. during the experience. Yeah. yeah, so we're playing with sort of winds and smells and obviously the movement as you sit in the 40 chairs. Uh, yesterday was a roller coaster, today is what we call the mega ramp, which is a huge skateboard ramp that we shot in Vista, California, just outside San Diego about a month ago. And so uh, Gillette Clinical for us was a perfect partner in this because they wanted to um, test and push how people's bodies react, literally, to virtual content. And there was really no better way to do this, at least today, uh, than create some kind of virtual 4D experience like this. So with Gillette, we sat down and they've been just candidly incredible editorial partners in this and taken our lead at every step of the way of like what makes the best uh, editorial VR content. And we picked four or five experiences, turned them into 4D experience, so went out and shot them, and then turned them into 4D experience, and then are gonna roll out a new one every day here at South By. And it's interesting to us, because we want to immerse fans into great content. It's what we do when we're at our best, that's our goal. Uh, it's interesting for Gillette, because they want to push people's bodies a little bit and see how they react to different experiences vis-a-vis -vis their product. So it, for us, at least, it was this perfect match of uh, sponsor and great content. Uh, very cool. Um, it, it sounds like, and it seems like VR capture is quite a bit more costly than standard content capture. Yeah. Uh, is that something you can touch on a Absol little bit? Absolutely. So I think that... Uh, Frankly, there was, uh, out of the gate, about six to 12 months ago, when people were just sort of grappling with, how do we make this stuff? How do you take a bunch of cameras into the field and shoot in a bunch of different directions? How do you stitch it together in post-production? How do you distribute it across all the different form factors that VR takes from goggles to 360-degree video? I think, frankly, it overwhelmed a lot of people as to, that sounds very complicated and therefore very expensive. What we wanted to do at Discovery was uh, make it not prohibitively expensive, so get costs down, get production costs down to a place where we could actually scale this a little bit and make a lot of content as opposed to you know, a clip a month. So I think that yes, VR content costs more, it takes longer to make, but I think that there's a little bit of a fallacy of exactly how much it costs. It's not hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to make a great VR series. And our goal is to just get that down to a place where we can scale it a little bit. 
Um, I've seen some of the stuff that you guys have done. Before we met up, I downloaded the app and uh, played around in some of the content in there. And I think one of the things that I was impressed with was the cross-platform ability that you guys have. It's something that you can enjoy on desktop. It's something you can enjoy on your phone without a VR handset, even something like cardboard. You can use it with cardboard as well. Um, Was that a very deliberate choice by you guys? Yes. So, like, with VR, there's an interesting thing where you got to learn how to produce it. you got to learn how to post-produce it all new skill sets that you can bring some of the stuff from the old world but it's it's new and then you got to learn how to distribute it um distributing vr is a skill set in and of itself like you just ticked off a bunch of them and that's hard you have to forge relationships with uh from samsung to facebook and say i want to produce and distribute my content on your platforms in the best way i can teach me how to do that well and teach me the best way to make that content for your platforms um so every single time we would go out in the field and, and produce something, we would be thinking about, okay, how will this work as a 360 video? Will it work just as well as an immersive goggle experience? Um, totally deliberate. And totally one of our goals for the first six to 12 months of like, let's learn the platforms. And, and the idea is also there. It makes adoption way easier for consumers. Totally. Absolutely. Right. I mean, the benefit for Discovery Channel in VR is, yes, the medium is super attractive to us because it is totally immersive and drives curiosity, right? So at a basic level, it aligns perfectly with what Discovery and Discovery Channel is all about. The reason that it's uh, immediately uh, tempting to us is because we have, on Discovery Channel's Facebook page alone, 36, 37 million Facebook likes. In the world of VR and 360-degree video and great partners of ours at Facebook who are blowing me away and how all over this they are, that suddenly becomes a distribution pipe and a way to scale audiences around what is otherwise a super cutting edge and early adopter medium. So for the first time in a long time, you have this weird, perfect balance of super cutting edge, high tech, new form factor with super scalable, big distribution pipes. And usually you have to pick, usually it's one or the other. If something's a super new cutting-edge platform, you usually have a rarefied group of early adopters who are like, I love it, I'll buy the, I'll buy the gear necessary to consume it. But in this world, you have both. And so for Discovery Channel, when we were sort of sizing up, market-sizing VR, as it were, a year or so ago, um, it made tons of sense for us to, instead of sort of dip our toe in the water, to dive in okay. and say, let's own this. And I guess more on the monetization side, um, you know, so I downloaded the app yeah. and was playing around in that, and that's an ad-free experience, which is pretty awesome. Uh, you know, this is stuff that you can have on the desktop and through some of the other partners, that's a little bit easier to monetize. Um, can you talk about not putting ads on the app and just yeah. kind of what the thought is there with monetizing the, beauty, the content? The beauty of doing a new content type is that uh, ads in the ad space have to catch up to you. <laughs> so for a little while, it is the best marriage between sponsor and content because you truly have to sit down with cutting edge sponsors uh, like Gillette and dream up content and content series together that feel like content because there are no standard ad units uh, that we wanted to serve up anyway. So you fall back on what I think today at least is the best kind of advertising, which is just native advertising, native ad integrations. Um, so when you go to the app or the website, yeah, it looks really clean because we're instead trying to deliberately spont- uh, partner with good sponsors to dream up good content. Okay. And as the technology matures a little bit, consumers are a little bit more used to consuming it, do you think, think that'll, so. that'll shift over and change? Uh, I think a little bit. I think, I think you'll start to see 
VR ad creatives running as VR pre-roll. I'm sure that stuff will come. Um, I can't predict when or when or how or where or on what platforms, but I'm sure that'll come. Uh, you guys obviously have a huge and very rich content library. Uh, are you able to port any of that over, or is it all stuff that you have to capture again or for the first time? Two answers to that. So live action is different than CG-created worlds. And in Discovery, we've been around for 30 or so years. We've thousands and thousands of hours of incredible content across multiple networks. Anything shot in live action is hard to just flip into a VR world. You can't kind of repurpose the, uh, the footage. The interesting thing about that is anything shot or developed in CG or animated, you actually have data and information on those worlds that you can easily evolve into, not easily, but you can evolve into 360 degree worlds. So one of the many paths now that we're looking to go forward are 4D experiences, interactivity, 3D VR, and how can we look at our library of CG content? What does that look like in a VR world? Um, is that a goose chase where it'll feel like, you know, this may ultimately look better to just reinvent it again? make it new or is there actually stuff we could use there and pull out into sort of CG rendered 3D uh, 360 degree world so um, I think at first blush our notion was VR has to be completely created new but as we're looking at our, all the CG stuff we've done in the past from space to dinosaurs it actually is kind of exciting to think about it in a new world like that but we'll see uh, you mentioned uh, Facebook as a distribution partner um, can you touch on anything else that you're working with other people on, whether it be more on the hardware side that, that you found a lot of success with or on the distribution side, anything like that? Yeah. Um, first of all, I, 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 I truly can't say enough how amazing a partner Facebook's been in the last uh, six months. Um, it's, it's almost crazy how they've just been so supportive uh, and, and almost like a hotline for us to get to, get to know this space really well. Um, Facebook obviously owns Oculus. Oculus is fundamentally a hardware company, but obviously developing a platform too. I just underscore them also. That's the big one. I mean, we have relationships with everybody from HTC to Samsung, but uh, the Oculus guys have been equally helpful and enthusiastic. And I think what's cool for us to see is, is, is Facebook is a, is a social platform. Oculus is fundamentally a hardware company. Uh, but to see these guys understand that in this, what I'd say is a critical juncture in the, in the evolution of VR, which I hope is a long one, they are talking uh, content. They are, they are understanding that they need to talk content with great content makers. Uh, as opposed to keeping content makers at arm's length and saying, you guys work on the content, we'll take care of our piece. It's really been a just an amazing collaboration with those guys, so um, uh, we're very appreciative of it. Are you using their hardware here uh, for the demo that you have at South by Southwest? I think it's Samsung Gear VR yeah, that we're using for the goggles, yeah. It's one of those things I always have to ask. Yeah, <laughs> no. We uh, use Samsung Gear VR goggles, which, by the way, every the Oculus guys are totally supportive of that, too. I think it's just the goggles that will probably get the most penetration in market this year. So we're trying to use goggles that, to the extent that it's possible, look and feel a little bit familiar to the average consumer. Mm -hmm. So we picked those. And again, most of your stuff is kind of device agnostic anyways. Right, yeah. Um, so I don't have too many other questions for you. I guess I'll wrap up with uh, what are you particularly excited about maybe in the next six months here? You've, got, you've only really been doing this since, what, like August of 2015, something we like that? We launched August 27, 
2015. We had been developing content for about nine months leading up to that. VR had been on our radar for a couple years leading up to that. Um, I think next for us, points of interest are um, virtual travel as a space is incredibly interesting to us. Education as a space is interesting to us. I mentioned 3D VR moving into a, a form factor where as opposed to just what you might call playback VR, where you press play and watch a video, actually developing worlds that you can interact with and move around objects because they're whole 3D objects, pushing interactivity, pushing immersion so that what we see today with this killer uh, Gillette experience is, is a first step toward that, I think, where you, you really feel like you're in a world. The, we may be talking two, three, five years out right now, <laughs> yeah. but... But, you know, that's to be transparent. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Oh, that's fantastic. And I guess on that, and I swear my last question here, yeah, yeah. Um, what you guys have done with this kind of like roller coaster setup here at South by Southwest is I've seen some other companies do it where you are taking the physical world that you're sitting in yeah. and trying to sync it up a little bit better with the yeah. visual world you're experiencing. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some more advanced platforms out there and maybe a little bit more immersive. Do you guys have anything along those lines maybe in the pipeline? Um, we have conversations like that going. So if we're a company filled with creatives who can't stop themselves from telling stories and immersing you in stories, that, that we can't stop them. <laughs> so, so when they see something like this going on and they see the ability for us to immerse you in a roller coaster ride, uh, the team back at Discovery Channel headquarters in D.C., their, their minds race and they start to think of how could I put people all over the world? How could I let them move around 3D interactive environments around the world from the Amazon rainforest to the Great Wall of China? We can't stop that brainstorming because it's literally in the company's, uh, in the company's DNA. So, um, so the short answer is yes. Uh, the, the longer answer is sort of VR is going to develop so fast from a technical technological perspective that any of the content we dream up will probably feel obsolete in 6 to 12 months but frankly that's the fun of it right now yeah it's an uplifting note to end up yeah. <laughs> yeah oh thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it if you're interested in hearing more about what fools saw at South by Southwest check out Market Foolery uh, I was on there talking driveless cars and robots earlier this week with host Chris Hill I believe Matt Argersinger and Simon Erickson were also on the show earlier this week talking about some of the trends they were really excited about at South by Southwest I want to thank Matt, Matt, and Connell for taking some time to talk with me. I'd also like to thank Dana Abramovitz, who organizes South by Southwest's health and medtech programming, and Hannah Howell from Sabert Labs. Uh, they also took the time to chat with me, but those interviews didn't make it into the show. Uh, they might find themselves uh, sometime in the future podcast that we do. Also, uh, big ups to Austin Morgan for handling all the editing for the show. It's a bit last-minute curveball and uh, you know, kind of outside of our normal wheelhouse, so thank him for that. Uh, that does it for this episode of Tech Industry Focus. Uh, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they discuss, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear on the show. Thanks for listening, and fool on. <laughs>